guys can have a seat. Uh, as we oftentimes do, we do a little bit of announcements, a little bit of time of prayer, and then we'll jump in to the ordination uh, service this morning. Uh, I, for announcements, I'm going to point most of you just to the, uh, the email that typically goes out through the middle of the, uh, of the week. Uh, but I do want to just say that this week we will be doing First Friday prayer. So 7 o'clock here at the building, we'll be jumping into uh, that routine, meeting at least once a month, First Fridays at 7 o'clock here at the building uh, for prayer. But then also next week, we are going to shoot to do this again. Uh, we'll not, not that we're reordinating, you know, uh, James or anything like that, but just to gather outside again. It's been all too long uh, that we have not been meeting together in person. And so it's a sweet thing to sense that grace afresh from God even this morning. Uh, we want to jump into prayer and then jump right into the ordination service. Uh, we're going to be praying for Real Life Church right down here in Bridesburg. For many of you, you're familiar with them. They're going through some significant transition as a church. And so it is a, uh, a difficult transition for them. Uh, where they're trying to figure out next steps as a church. If Corona doesn't make things difficult, going through different transitions with leadership is all the more difficult uh, during a season like this. So we want to keep them in prayer. Also then, we want to pray for our Sovereign Grace uh, leadership. Um, uh, oftentimes when it comes to even seasons like Corona, we kind of get lost in our partnership. And we want to make sure that what we're doing is we're reassuring us that partnership is important. We want to be praying specifically for our leaders. We were just on Zoom calls this past week uh, with different individuals trying to figure out how churches can best be served throughout this season. So just want to pray for them in particular. And then, of course, we want to just be um, praying for Kenosha. You, I know right now across the board here, there's all kinds of perspectives on what you think about it. And frankly, like, We'll, we'll have those different perspectives. But nonetheless, I think we'd all agree that we need God's intervention in it. We need a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that transcends politics, a peace that transcends all the, the issues and speaks to all the issues yes. of this time. So let's join together in prayer, and then we'll jump into the ordination service. God, we are so thankful you have not left us alone. Thank you for that faithful servant, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we exalt you. We exalt you this morning. You are the one who is high and lifted, King of kings and Lord of lords, worthy to be exalted, for you were slain to ransom many sinners, to ransom us, so that we might not only have hope in life, but also in death. So Jesus... We thank you for your faithful service to us. And God, thank you that you are not uh, one who is pulled away from your church during this time. And we lift up Real Life Church to you. God, we pray for their leadership during this season as they're facing difficulty, that you would provide them a wisdom that is only of you. But God, I pray that you would preserve the gospel presence that they are in Bridesburg and beyond. So Jesus, you are that faithful servant. We know you tend to your church moment by moment. You will intercede for us until the very end. 
You are just that good. And so, Christ, we pray, tend to your church. And God, we thank you for our denomination. We thank you for Sovereign Grace. We thank you for the leaders. We thank you that they care enough about all the local churches that they would take large amounts of time and energy to think about how they can help and serve us in the mission. God, I pray that, again, you would grant them a unique wisdom that they might impart to local churches within our denomination something, something of insight, something of carefulness, just reminders as to how to navigate through this particular difficult season. So God, we're grateful for them. Ask your blessing upon them. And God, our hearts, our hearts break at what we see taking place in Kenosha and in with, within our, our nation and God, we, we desperately just come before you and say, God, would you come now and intervene? It seems as though in a, a significant way that you are, you are allowing things to happen in such a way that your grace might break into the darkness, that your light might shine forth. So God, I pray, I pray uh, that your gospel might go forth in power, that great change and transformation would take place through such difficult times, that your peace would be established, that your shalom would be established, even in Kenosha. I, I pray specifically, as it's coming to mind, for Mike Bullmore and his church, who are right outside of Kenosha. I pray that they as a church might rally together and, and find ways in which to serve others during this time, but ultimately to see your gospel advanced. So God, may your blessing be upon them. We need you, God. We, we are shaken from our independence to our dependence upon you and just cry out, God, would you intercede in all the brokenness? Would you come and do a mighty work for your own glory, for your own name's sake? We pray these things then in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, maybe you've come this morning and you're like what in the world is an ordination service I actually as a few were coming in I was like what is this ordained thing what's really happening this morning well just to very quickly throw it before you before we have uh, another speaker come and and we move forward an ordination service is both simple and it's sacred yes. it's simple in the sense right that this morning James Wilsonholm is formally being installed as a pastor here at Mercy Gate Church, right? That is, that is the simple end of it. The sacred end of it is this, is that this point in time, what we are saying is that we recognize, we have recognized and we are recognizing God's unique grace upon his life, that he is called, gifted, and qualified to be a pastor. Yeah. We're recognizing God's at work in his life in those particular ways. But what we're also doing this morning, particularly as Mercy Gate Church, is we're saying, God, we want to come under that grace. We want to be led by that grace as it is an extension of your own hand. So this morning, yeah, it's simple, right? James is being installed as a pastor. But it's sacred in the sense that we are identifying this grace in his life and as a church coming under that leadership, under that care, under that shepherding role. So that is what an ordination service is all about. Now, as we move forward here, we... Um, 
partner together in this ordination service with our denomination, Sovereign Grace. So we're going to have a Sovereign Grace representative addressing James this morning. Right? Now, more than a representative, Andrew Cavillage is a friend. Many of you already know him, right? Uh, so it's, it, it's not to feel so formal. Uh, it is friendship. But the beauty of this is that in our partnership with Sovereign Grace, what are we doing? We're committing to our common commitment to Christ, right? And that accountability in partnership holds us fast to that commitment to Christ. So even when it comes to the ordination process, the denomination comes into that process, assists in that process, does evaluation through that process, so that even the denomination on the other end of all the work that's done can say, yes, this man is called gifted and qualified to serve you as a pastor. This is a sweet partnership in which it guards our commitment to the gospel by guarding the process of ordination. So what we're going to have is a little bit of a tag team this morning, right? Uh, Andrew Cavillage is going to come and he's going to address James. Uh, he's going to address us a bit as a church. And then I'm going to come and charge you as a church. On the back end of that, we're going to have some uh, just verbal commitments, both from the members of Mercy Gate Church as well as from James as well. So let's welcome Andrew Cavillage to come speak. Thank you, dude. All right. All right, Ferdick. Here you go, Ferdick. <laughs> One of the things you got to know about this dude is, uh, you know, he's a Sovereign Grace representative this morning. Uh, but more than that, more than anything, he's a, he's a dear friend. And, and maybe taking the opportunity in this moment to just commend to you gospel friendships. Those are sweet things. We met what was it, a little over a week ago, I guess we hung out. Uh, and Andrew said, man, I love these times because we... We can interact without any pretense. We can just kind of come together. We can share our hearts, what God's doing, how we're discouraged, how we're being challenged in these moments. And we can actually open up our hearts to one another and just say, brother, like, bruise me sweetly with truth. <laughs> right? Uh, and it's, it's the benefit. It's the glory. It's the wonder of having gospel friendship. So I just commend that to you more than anything. And a Sovereign Grace representative is that this dude is a friend. So. I'm glad he's warming up that whole representative thing that does seem a little sterile. Um, I love your pastors here, and I love every time I'm with you guys. I want to make a commitment, especially to the kids. This is not going to be a two-sermon Sunday. This is like when you have to split donuts, so this is going to be two halves of a donut making one whole, not two donuts. That again, two sermons would be good, but listen, you got things to do. I understand that. But here's what we're doing this morning is we're, we're receiving a gift together. And I love when you get something new, you bring people around to celebrate it. And that's exactly what we are aiming to do. And it's amazing to think that this gift comes from the resurrected, ascended Christ. He is giving Mercy Gate a gift and you guys are recognizing that this morning. To that end, I want to read a passage out of Ephesians 4. And then I want to just briefly address the church and James. James, you're going to be behind that piano the whole time? That's a good look. So, Ephesians chapter 4 says this. 
I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Mercy Gate, from this, a few things I want to mention about this gift from the risen and ascended Jesus. This gift he has given you is a shepherd. Mentioned in the very list we have in here of Ephesians, you have been given a pastor. And I want to make clear what that is. That's not just a set of services or functions. You are getting a person. You are getting flesh and blood in these services. And I want to also make a guarantee that, that this is an official gift. It's one thing to get a gift, but if you get a gift and it's a knockoff, it doesn't quite work. So for you musicians, if someone got you a Les Paul and you find out that it's made somewhere other than where Les Pauls are made and it breaks, Maybe some of you want some J's and you get in these J's and you realize they're not real J's, they break. Or maybe probably more realistically, someone gets you a space heater. They're like, yeah, it'll keep you warm, but it might burn down the house. Have fun with that. Those would be gifts that might prove dangerous. See, what Jesus is giving is not just what everybody raises their hand. I'm a gift to the church. I'm a gift. No, Jesus appoints these gifts. And why it's important to point out this denominational involvement 
is because we want to be part of the process of making sure that this gift is genuinely of God and is good for you. This man comes to you vetted and tested, literally tested, (laughs) orally, written. We've observed his life. He is the real deal. He's no fake, no knockoff. And we wholeheartedly commend him for that reason. And this gift, this gift has a much greater purpose than a Les Paul, a pair of J's, or a space heater. His purpose is to always connect you to the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, to always point to him. As the text in Ephesians said, to equip you in the faith, to build you up, to strengthen you in this, in the knowledge of him that you might know him truly and know all the things that he's called you to be as his people. This is so that we don't fly around like these tents. These kind of pastors and teachers anchor us like these Lowe's buckets and 35-pound weights you have. They keep us to the ground of what matters. That's the purpose of this gift that you have been given. Now, where'd he go? He left the piano. I thought we were going to have a moment by the piano, James. Why'd you, why'd you have to go move on me like that? I want to encourage you that I have, I have loved getting to know you. And I would be here this morning whether I was doing this or not. Um, I love the humility that I see in you and the ready-for-anythingness that I see in you. That is part of the unique gifting that makes you who you are. Every time James talks about this church, it is with great love and affection. And I'm so grateful for that. So now just a few bits of instructions back to Mercy Gate and then finally back to you. Now I realize that we are not always given instructions for pastors. Pastors are given clear instructions from the Lord. But we're not always given instructions of now how to make the most out of your new pastor. I want to give you just two things. First, don't esteem him too highly. He's not Jesus. He doesn't know all things. He's not all present. And if you look to him to be Jesus, you will be disappointed and he will get burned out very quickly. I hope he hears it, (laughs) or he's in for a hard road. We don't want to hold a man so high that he can't also be our brother, that he's no longer allowed to be flesh and blood among us. He needs you. He needs your care. His family needs your care. If you treat them in a way that's separate and superior, you will miss out, and they will miss out. But I also would encourage you, don't don't treat him too insignificantly either. There is a real temptation we have to resist authority, to question it, to buck the system. But remember, this authority is God's gift to you, to care for you, to help you. It is appointed from him, and it is good And this is no easy task that he has been called to. And I encourage you to make his calling that of a joyful one, realizing he holds a great accountability before God. 
Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And James, my instructions to you are very similar to that of Mercy Gate. First, my brother, do not esteem yourself too highly. You're not Jesus, as that member wanted to make sure you were clear, clear about that, even though both your names start with a J. My brother, the greatest gift that you will give to this church is not yourself. It is the gospel that you believe and that you hold forth. And my brother, I want you to know there is no genuine gospel ministry without humility. Self-importance will always get in the way of true kingdom service. Be little in your own eyes. My second piece of advice to you, my brother, is don't view yourselves too insignificantly. You are called and appointed by God to be an overseer among these dear saints. That's not something that we do arrogantly, but it's also something we're called not to do awkwardly. There will be times you have to reprove, rebuke, admonish, and exhort, and you must do that with all authority and all patience and gentleness. You must not shirk back from your calling when it gets difficult. My brother, this world is not going to do any movies about pastors that are heroic or noble. But what you are doing is seeing of the Lord. And all that you do, do it before his eyes. This is serious business. It's our father's business. It's a business he intends you to do with not just your mind, but your heart and your strength. In reminiscent to what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anybody dismiss you or despise you because of your age. And don't give them any reason to. Rather, set yourself as an example in speech, conduct, love, and purity. Brother, I have confidence in the grace of God in your life. You will, you will walk out these charges well. You'll do it before the Lord, and you will do it for them. And as these buckets that hold these tents up say, my brother, I believe you will do it right. <clears throat> Mercy Gate, I want to specifically speak to you uh, in the next few minutes. Uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, for many of you, you know that 1 Timothy uh, is about Paul addressing Timothy, who is kind of this young pastor type, presiding pastor in Ephesus. And so there's many instru much instruction that Paul will give to Timothy. But he states in chapter 3, verse 14, he states, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church 
of the living God, a pillar and foundation of the truth. Great indeed, he says, we confess, is the mystery of godliness, for it was Christ who is made manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, and believed on in the world, and taken up to glory. Three particular questions, just briefly. Mercy Gate, what is a church? From this particular text, what we find is that the way Paul addresses the church, the way he defines it, is as the household of God. We are family. We are family because God has rescued us in our sin. Even in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul will state, this is a faithful and trustworthy saying, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. The church are those who have been saved from their sin and into the family of God. We have a father. We have a brother in Christ. We have a comforter in the Holy Spirit. We are a family together in Christ. Those whom God has in some sense intercepted us from our own damnation, from our own sinfulness. He came after us. He poured out his grace and mercy upon us and saved us to himself so that his very enemy might become his family. Don't lose sight of who you are as a church. We're not just gathering in a building. We're not just gathering to the church building. We're not just a gathering as a church. We're not just a social club. We are those who have encountered the profound grace and mercy of our God who saved us from wrath so that we might be his family. We are the household of God. But that household needs leaders. As Paul will state further in chapter 4, he's going to say there is going to be some who come after the church and try to confuse truth, even following after the teaching of demons. It's not going to be an easy road for you, church. Has it been an easy road? Not always, right? There's been trials. There's been difficulties. There's been hardships. And so when it comes to being the household of faith, the pillar and foundation of truth, those who hold up truth before a dark and dying world, right? It's that we need leaders. We need leaders who would lead us through the tough times. And how are we to be led? Well, Paul's already marked that out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 by called, gifted, and qualified pastors those who have a unique mark of God's grace upon their lives such that that grace would be leveraged for your good and for your benefit. But that grace, that gift in a pastor is to be uniquely marked by the fact that as pastors, as leaders, we would keep you, us, anchored in to the gospel. That's why Paul will state... After talking about the church, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of, the godly, of this godliness. And then he jumps into what is this early church hymn or creed stating, it was Christ. It's the gospel. It's Christ who is made manifest in the flesh. This is the main thing, who is vindicated by the Spirit, resurrected to show, yes, he is the true I am, right? He was seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up to the glory. It's this gospel message that we hold firm to through all kinds of difficulty. Nonetheless, through the seasons that we've faced over the last so many months, 
both in corona and the craziness that we've faced as a nation. We need leaders. Leaders who are not political gurus, who are not life therapists, but leaders who will put before you the gospel of Jesus Christ week in and week out. It's this gospel that is our anchor. It's this gospel that is our life as a church. So when it comes to the church, the family of God, who are to hold up the truth of God before a dark and dying world, we need pastors, we need leaders, those who are called, gifted, and qualified to open up God's word faithfully, right? And to teach us and to admonish us and to ensure that our focus and that our hearts are tethered in to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when it comes down to it, then, church, we are the family of God, led by called, gifted, and qualified pastors who open up God's word regularly for the nourishment and protection of our souls. But how then should a church relate to its pastor? What Paul will say more generally throughout the book to Timothy is, is here's a bunch of instruction. Here's how the church is to behave. And so if you read through 1 Timothy, he's going to go through a list of different kind of individuals in different age ranges and how they are to function within the church. And he says, Timothy, I want you to instruct them in these ways, always keeping the gospel central, always keeping the word of God central, always opening up that word, reading and exhorting and correcting with the truth of that word. And so as a church, how do we relate to that? Well, first, we follow our pastors as together we follow after Christ. I charge you as Mercy Gate Church, follow your pastors, and I commend you as one of your pastors. You've done well. <laughs> through the ups and downs, through our own weaknesses, through our own confusion as pastors, as, as uh, Andrew said, we are not, you know, Superman. We are not Jesus. We have our frailties. We have our limitations. We can do nothing but point you to the truth of God's word and, Lord willing, do that faithfully. But I charge you, as Mercy Gate Church, follow your pastors through the ups, through the downs. Be gentle with them through that following process. Right? And may, may you follow them again as together we follow after Christ. Which comes to the second point is that we, I, I charge you to follow your pastors, but I also would charge you to protect your pastors. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul will address Timothy saying that we need to be careful of, of charges brought against the pastor. The pastor is one who's going to stand in all kinds of conflict, in all kinds of trial, much of which the broader congregation will not even be aware of at times. But it's to be careful not to take just any charge against the pastor and jump upon that bandwagon and ride that thing. No, make sure that there's true evidence to weigh against him. 
Make sure that he's not being falsely accused on one hand, and yet make sure if there is authentic evidence that marks out that there needs to be charges brought against him, that you as a church will faithfully walk that out for his own spiritual protection. So I charge you as a church, protect your pastors. But finally, as Paul will also say in 1 Timothy 5, provide for your pastors. This is another opportunity where I just get to commend you. Over the last couple years, you guys have already been on that journey specifically of broadening, stretching our budget. At times we're saying, I don't know if we can do this. Not sure we can get by with this. But you guys have been incredibly gracious toward us. Such that James could even jump on, on staff here and spend a bunch of time giving his time to serving you, to serving me in the ministry. So you're to be commended uh, for that. But as Paul will state in 1 Timothy 5, provide, provide. Make sure that your pastors, as they work for you, that their needs are being met. Now, I also want to go beyond that because when Paul says that these pastors are worthy of double honor, it's not just financially. Uh, folks, you know this, and we've said it often. We covet your prayers. Even this past week, as we got to a, together with a few, with a few of you, uh, and we just kind of sat there under the gift of the prophetic word and received much encouragement. One of the words was just the need for protection, not only personally as pastors, but also upon our families. Folks, there is a real fight going on. There is a real enemy at work. And your pastors are uniquely tempted. Amidst trial, amidst confusion, they're uniquely tempted. As well as our families go through unique ups and downs, difficulty. Some of that you recognize, and some of that you may not. But when it comes to providing for your pastors beyond financial, beyond the material, we covet your prayers. We covet them. Met, met many of you know, met with Marge this past week, and oh my goodness, James and I just kind of melted in our seats as she talked about how she's been praying for us. Praying for us as a church, praying for us through all this transition, it's like, Thank God, thank God that we have prayer warriors on the front lines. Oh, we don't see Marge much because she's a shut-in, but, but she's been serving us, serving us faithfully. Those are, man, our, I'm, I'm ready to just weep as she's talking through that kind of stuff because we covet your prayers. There's a true battle going on. Mercy Gate, I charge you to follow, protect, and provide for your pastors. Have you, as you've done so well throughout the years. Right now, I'm going to have Andrew come up. And James, where you at, bro? Come on up. We're going to go ahead and go through some charges. We're going to work through those specifically for James. And then there's a few also for you members at Mercy Gate Church. You got those with you? Yes. All right. Fantastic. All right, James, you ready? Yes. All right, this is a little lengthy. This is part of our Book of Church order. So 
things get a little lengthy when it comes to uh, those kind of things. Uh, but it's exhaustive and it's to the point. So, do you, James Wilson Holm, promise to shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock? Do you promise to faithfully guard the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And do you promise to protect the flock from false teaching, division, and dissension? Do you promise to care for the flock of God, not as a hireling, but as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died? Do you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus in this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season? And do you promise to reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering, while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching? And will you do the work of an evangelist among those whom God has given you charge? And do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to show yourself in all respects, in action and in speech, to be a model of good works, integrity and dignity, so that neither the church nor our Savior Jesus Christ nor the gospel may be brought into reproach? Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself and to walk humbly before others to be self-suspicious of your own motives, to invite criticism from others, and to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life? And do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit that you might serve God's people, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to carry out your ministry without fear of man? Amen. And my brother, on behalf of Sovereign Grace Ministries and the partnership we enjoy in the gospel, do you declare sincerely before God that you believe all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith fully agree with the Scriptures? Do you own that statement as the statement and confession of your faith? And do you promise to teach and defend these doctrines in public and private? Do you promise further that if in the future you come to have any reservations about any of these doctrines, you will share these reservations with your eldership and the regional assembly of elders? And do you submit without exception to the explicitly mandated practices of the Sovereign Grace Book of Church Order, affirming that that form of government is a wise and suitable application of scriptural principles? Man. All right, Mercy Gate, you guys ready? You awake? I hope you're awake, because this is for you. Do you, the people of Mercy Gate Church, receive James Wollstenholme as your pastor? Yes. All right. Do you promise to receive the word of truth for him, from him with meekness and love and to submit to him and do biblical exercise of his leadership? And do you promise to supply him with whatever material support he may need to fulfill his ministry among you? And do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, the evangelization of the lost, and the promotion of God's glory? Amen. 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 All right. Where are you at, man? And you're wandering away from me. 
Uh, we have a few gifts uh, for James in particular. Um, first, that wonderful ordination certificate. So it's kept nice and neat in this thing, so I didn't want it blowing away. But I'll, I'll let you present that right. to him. My brother, may this remind you of not only this day, but the grace that brought you to this day yeah. and the grace that will be with you every day in this service. And we also, as a church, um, wanted to have a gift already present for him. We couldn't decide on a gift for this guy because, you, you know, he's doing all the building projects here and there, you know, from week in, week out. Do we get this guy tools? Do we get him a bunch of commentaries? And, and of course, he's not into all the books. He loves the digital stuff. And then there's music that he's working with. And so with a guy serving in so many ways, we wanted him to have kind of the option to pick and choose uh, the things that would best serve him in his pastoral ministry. So, bro, there's Thank a gift you. from the church. Thank you. All right. And this as well is from Sovereign Grace. All right, so here's what we're going to do next. We're going to do some laying on of hands. So, Caitlin, I want you to come up here uh, with your husband. And if you're a pastor, church leader, I'd invite you to come up in so much as you're comfortable in this corona context to lay on hands or at least to extend a hand to James, we want to have a time of, of prayer together. Brother James, I told you I'm not going to call you pastor, but I guess I have to now. <laughs> pastor James and Pastor Caitlin, we thank you. We thank you for your service. We thank you for your commitment. We thank you for your humbleness and your submission. And we also thank you for being teachable and reachable. Please continue to stay in those paths. Continue to stay reachable and teachable god's got a lot for you this is just the beginning and we love you we're here for you and please don't feel afraid to ask don't burn yourself out you got plenty of family here who would help you okay bro so we love you in jesus name amen Father, we come before you this afternoon, and we thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in and through this man and woman of God. Father God, in public, we affirm them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, we ask that you continue to give them discernment. Father, we thank you that their journey is just beginning and the latter shall be greater than the rest. Father, we speak the word of God that says when two or three are gathered in your name, there you are among us. So we know that the tangible presence is here. Father, we anoint this couple from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet in the oil of gladness and strength, Father God. Lord, we ask that perseverance, endurance, be their food, their nutrition, Father God, 
and that the word is spoken them over them each and every day. As I speak, the power of the Son of God may be upon them as they open their eyes in the morning and they lay to rest at night. May they feel you in every aspect of their being. In Jesus' mighty name. Father in heaven, as we lay hands upon this couple, uh, James and Caitlin, Lord, we, we ask that you would impart unto them, Lord, even in these memorable moments, Lord, a, a fresh measure of your grace. Lord, we pray that grace would come to them, Lord, and bring them peace. Lord, that grace would come to them and, and grant them strength. Father, we ask that grace would come to them, Lord, to keep them close to each other and close to you and close to your word and close to their fellow pastors, Lord, and close to uh, these people who they love and serve. Lord, Lord, what they're called to do is, uh, Lord, is beyond human ability. Uh, Lord, so we ask for grace from heaven, Lord, for the task. Lord, you know uh, every year that lies ahead of them. And Lord, we just, we just pray, Father, that uh, you would help them to walk through those years uh, with peace and with unity. And Lord, with strength from heaven. Lord, we thank you for, for the gift of, of James to this church as a pastor. We thank you for his wife uh, by his side in love and support. And now, Lord, we just ask you to sustain them by your power in Jesus' name. Lord, I do pray for this family, Lord. I pray for the kids, God. I I'm aware, Lord, that, uh, that growing up in a, in a pastor's household, Lord, can be its own challenge, its own test. I pray that you would protect these kids, oh God. I pray that you would help them to see that their father being a pastor is a great thing. It's a, it's a blessing and a joy that they would, they would see in him a, a resilience, God, and a faithfulness to the task that would inspire them, oh God, that would Help them love you more. Help them love the church more. Help them understand the nature of the gospel more, oh God. I pray that you would, you would help uh, James and Caitlin not feel the pressure of their performance, oh God. Lord, as these kids grow up, Lord, they will walk and, and, and need you. Lord, they're going to need you. And I pray, oh God, that you would meet them, Lord. And this would not be an issue of uh, past your kids have to be the best kids, but they would be kids who grow up recognizing their need for Jesus and responding to him and not to the burden of being a pastor's kid. Oh, God, I pray that you would care for them. Oh, Lord, God, as a family, that they would be able to say that, that wow, this, this journey we've been on is the perfect journey for our family. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I lift up my brother James. Lord, I lift him up in that you have blessed him greatly. You've blessed us with him. Lord, and we believe you'll continue to bless him. Lord, thank you for making him the man that he is, for being in his story, 
throughout, through and through. Thank you that you've woven the stories together that now we get to share and celebrate in this chapter, God. We're grateful for that gift. I'm grateful for his friendship. I'm grateful for who you have made him to be. So God, I ask this, I, I pray this in Psalm 1 over him, Lord, as a blessing over him, Lord. I know that you have done this and you will do this. You have done this for him. Lord, blessed is this man, walking not in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the very word, the very law of the Lord. And on this, James meditates. He will meditate day and night. And God, would you make him continue to grow him like a tree planted by streams of water, yes. yielding fruit in season, leaves do not wither. Lord, in all that he does, make him prosper. Jesus, thank you that in this, your promise is sure. In this, in this foundation of friendship and foundation, firm and true, we can trust in you. Amen. Trust in you for our brother. Amen. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, we, we do pray that as Paul would lay hands upon Timothy, as others would lay hands on Timothy, you, you by your Spirit would impart unique gifting. Yes. Yes. So even right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would endow just James with with added gifting but also then the gifting that we have already seen may it just be exponentially be used for the glory of Christ so Holy Spirit we pray that you would come and fill him and I also pray for Caitlin God uh, as she steps into uh, a new role as well supporting James in these different ways God may your grace rest heavy upon her God, I pray that you would utilize her for fruitful ministry. Not that she has any added obligation on her shoulders because of the role of supporting her husband. But God, we do pray that her gifting would be utilized for the good of your church. God, may it be. You will not waste anything. You will not waste anything and you will give great grace. You will give great grace. So may your gifts be granted to her for fruitful ministry for your namesake. And God, together, I pray that even, I pray that this marriage would be a unique emblem of your kindness, of your mercy, your sustaining grace. I, I pray, I pray uniquely, maybe it's even folks on your own block who would see your marriage and say there's something there that i need there's something unique i got to seek out and find there's there, there's something unique there's something different there so i pray god that you would use the example of their marriage perhaps to bring many to you that they would come seeking and finding you lord so god we ask your blessing upon them both and i just Lord, I just declare a grateful heart before yeah. you. Yeah, Thank you, God, yes. for your kindness yes. to us through James and Caitlin. What a support they have been to me. What a grace I find in them. So, God, I just thank you. What a journey it has been. <laughs> but what kindness you've shown us through them. You're a good God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Uh, I'm going to be brief, but uh, when I look out at you guys and uh, see all the faces of people who are here every week and people who are not here every week, I'm just incredibly humbled by, by the love and the support. And uh, I just can't express enough thankfulness and gratitude to each one of you guys for all that you've done for my family, to all that you've done for Jesus in serving us and in supporting us and loving us. And um, I actually kind of want to share a song with you guys, if that's okay. Can I swap out with you for a second? Um, I, I feel like the Lord gave me this, this song, and I thought I was supposed to sing it today, but then I thought, you know, that's... I don't want people to think that I just want to, you know, stand up here and sing so you guys are amazed by me. And so I just kind of, yeah, I pushed it to the side. But I feel like the Lord just wants me to be obedient to sing this song. So. guys want to look up the lyrics and just follow along it's called praise will be my song and um you know as i've been working on some of the building projects the last couple weeks i just keep coming back to this song and this this is my heart as i step into this role um that everything i do and say with each one of you that it would stir up a love for each other and a love for christ so that the only thing that we can do is offer up praise to him as a result. Through your death, I 
song. We can say his amen to that. Let's sing.
Amen. Well, thank you all. I know many of you came from halfway across the country, <laughs> uh, and many of you came even this morning racing out of early church services. I just want to thank you. It means a lot, uh, the sport that we feel through this, but also the unique celebration that it is for this day to recognize this unique grace in James' life. And so we just thank the Lord for you and for James and Caitlin and their ministry here. Now, by way of benediction, Hebrews chapter 13 states this. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Thanks for coming.